Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Game Where with me, Chris, and... Me, Ashley. Hello. You're right, Ashley? Am I all right? Yep, that was the question. Am I? <laughs> well, are you? How are you? Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, wh- why Why is it you're not so all right? I'm fine. I mean, oh, okay. sorry, am I fine? Mm. I just thought I'd talk in questions. Oh, okay, fun. fair enough. Well, the, so this is episode 170, thank you for listening, and as is tradition, multiples of 10, we do a game we've not played before, and we started uh, a couple of multiples of 10 ago, Ashley pointed out, rightfully, that we should maybe have some time playing more of the game, or one of us should have some time playing more of the game before we talk context. about it. At context. context. <sighs> we should make it a, we should make it a section. Well, it should be... Chris, Chris's Context, that's what it should be called. All right, Chris's Context or Corner. Context Corner, Chris's yeah. Corner? Mm. Chris's Context Corner, the yeah, all right. So welcome to Context Corner. I am your host, Chris. Anyway, and you've you've been playing some of today's game, and you've uh, not liked it very much. Is that fair? That's jumping in at the deep end. Wow. I didn't well, know that we were going to do that. I'm trying to contextualise why you're not feeling so very good. I'm fine. Oh, okay. Am I fine? Am I? Am I fine? Debatable. I'm fine. Everything's fine. The the game is uh, Baldur's Gate. The original game yes, that came out in December yeah. 1998 for PC and July 2000 on the Mac, which is a fantasy RPG. Why have we chosen this game? I'm doing questions. Um, why have we chosen this game? Why have we? Why have we? Why have we? Why have we Why chosen? Have we? I mean, it's funny doing we, the emphasis we've probably, words, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's fun. It's enjoyable. Um, I, I, oh God, in lots of different ways, we've jumped in at the deep end. We don't haven't done any chat. I think I've I've thrown you off by asking you questions when you've asked me questions. And <laughs> so this is your fault. Yeah, it's probably my fault. Uh, so let's try and rewind. We are doing Baldur's Gate, but pretend you haven't heard that. Let's let's go back to the beginning. How are you, Chris? You all right? Yeah, I think so. You feel you seem a little bit perturbed that we've gone back to the beginning now. So yeah, I don't maybe like we should it. start again. Again, well, actual real? <laughs> no, 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 not actual <laughs> real. No, no, we're good. We're fine. It's fine. Okay. Everything's fine. See, you're now you're doing it. Yeah. If you keep saying everything's fine, everything will be fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, but it's nothing to do with the game. The game is the game. The game's Baldur's Gate, as uh, as we've already established before we started again. Yeah, Baldur's Gate, one of the best games ever, apparently, and it. Who said that? The internet. It was that good old page yeah. on Wikipedia, best games ever. That, oh that, yeah, that really reliable source of information uh, that collates at least six publications, which is a not very high number. Well, it's it's enough, isn't it? It's some. It's yeah. It's more. Some. It's more publications than I collate. Well, depending on what day of the week it is. Apparently, it continues to influence RPGs, and obviously, obviously, Baldur's Gate Three has just released to huge fanfare. Ba, 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 ba. So it seems well times to to revisit where it all began. Yeah, that's kind of what was going on. I haven't played Baldur's Gate Three. Have you? No. Too busy on Zelda, mate. No. Is there a reason? Oh, that's why. There we go. You. You got the answer out before I got the question out. That's subverting the uh, format, isn't it? That's yeah. great. Yeah, uh, I'm getting there yeah, as well. So, though. Just again, context without. I've done. I've done all four temples now. Bez through it. Get Carol. you. I I haven't played it for a while, which Lapsed. is a 
Yeah, there's a degree of shame. But me and Hannah have been playing Vampire Survivors, so I'm not too fussed. Every crowd. Yeah, everything. Exactly. Exactly that. Um, Yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 has just come out. Neither of us have played it, but also neither of us have played Baldur's Gate 1 or 2, which is why we end up in this situation where we're playing or about to play Baldur's Gate and give some form of uh, verdict on how we feel about it. But um, yeah, I, I have played it already um this week a little bit and yeah it is a spoiler chris has already given it though i'm not so sure about it for some reasons that we'll get into maybe later on okay um it is based on dungeons and dragons that's not the reason that i dislike it it's based on dungeons and dragons the the systems that are there they're all based on on the dungeons and dragons um systems so in the background like with a lot of rpgs there's dice rolls happening ra- random assignation of of numbers to, to check success and failure in, in various different situations um and yeah that's interesting yeah i don't I know if know it that. was one of the early ones it's oh, uh, right, okay. appar- apparently uses a version of the advanced dungeons and dragons second edition rules which uh for those people that like dungeons and dragons or know anything about it i'm not uh, apparently that was uh, a thing and, and you just said I know. It's, it's affiliated with Dungeons and Dragons I didn't realize that at all and mm. so I thought that was kind of interesting the fact that it is linked to this massive massive franchise yeah another thing that I found out this week was that um, it's related to Neverwinter Nights which is another Dungeons mm. and Dragons franchise and Neverwinter Nights is a game that, that another game where I only have a, a passing a relationship with it and my passing relationship was literally passing it in wh smith <laughs> and seeing seeing it on offer at like 19 pounds 99 or something and going that cover's good i might get that one day when i've got some money um and never never yeah, actually doing it. it and i kind of am glad oh, which is okay a bit a bit you know cheeky but well if we're trading facts i found out it takes place in a land called the forgotten realms which was then used as a setting for other games such as icewind dale and planescape torment oh are they dungeons and dragons games as well yeah apparently so again didn't know that no me neither so this, i mean we're all... learning about dungeons and dragons yeah it's all, all linked this massive well i knew it was a massive franchise but i didn't know they were linked to it and i, I quite like the idea of this this kingdom which the forgotten realms my understanding of it the forgotten realms is one part of the massive land Dungeons and dragons takes part in but i like the fact that there's a sit multiple series of games taking place within the same game world that's quite cool yeah i do as well it's the um it's the shared universe thing yeah and yeah, I, obviously so. th- this is all this is all based on the advanced dungeons and dragons systems and they are that those places exist in that too so it's not just taking place in game form or or sorry video game form it's taking place in tabletop game form yes and these places i think to a a person that had been playing uh dungeons to a person that had been playing dungeons and dragons in the tabletop form for them in the 90s to see a Baldur's Gate game get made, um, I bet that was very, very exciting. Mm. Apparently, 
the Forgotten Realms have been around in Dungeons and Dragons in 1979, so quite a long time between wow. well, 20 years yeah. between that. And the game itself was originally during inception and development was actually called Forgotten Realms. They decided to rename it for reasons I couldn't quite find out, so they they made it a bit more front and center. That link, hmm. I think that was probably a smart choice because you kind of ham yourself in uh, with Forgotten Realms, or you make it too broad. And if you had Forgotten Realms and then you had Neverwinter Nights wouldn't i don't know it kind of just wouldn't work would it because bull you know it works with boulders gate and uh and then neverwinter nights and um planescape or whatever because they're all places i guess in this bigger world yeah i see that I makes sense meant, yeah it does actually i thought you meant they because they sound a bit kind of traditional fantasy-ish those words no 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 um is this the first Dr- dungeons and dragons game you've played well, apparently so, unless there's a game I've played at some point that I didn't realize was linked to Dungeons & Dragons in some way. Like, maybe Solitaire. Well, maybe Solitaire? Who no, knows? I don't think so. That was a castle well, on the back or on the packs. All right, let's 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 leave that one up in the air. I don't know for sure, like 100%, but it's interesting that you've couched it that way because that's exactly what I have had. Um, there was a game that I owned on the Sega Master System, and I... I didn't like that either, but um, it was very, very difficult. And for for a long time, I couldn't remember what it was called. And in pre- preparation to potentially cover it about two years ago on this, on the podcast. On this um, very pod. On this show. Um, I I tried to look it up. I, I was Googling all sorts of things, Master System related. And I eventually ended up trawling through to try and find the cover. Is this that wizard one that you, you brought up before? Possibly, yeah. It does have a wizard one. It's called Heroes of the Lance, and it was only when I found it in the like couple of years ago. It was only when I found it that I saw that it had Dungeons and Dragons Heroes of the Lance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a Dungeons and Dragons game that, and it, it, it has some similarities to Baldur's Gate in the sense that you have a uh, a group. What do you call them in Dungeons and Dragons? You have a posse, a party. It's your oh, party, not posse. Party in your pocket. Pa- party posse mm, in your pocket mm, questionable move on um we're trying i'm trying i've got stuck all i can think of is that uh genuinely all i can think of is that what was i gonna say yeah you have a party so you in this mass system game you have this party of i think three or four different characters that all are, are different archetypes of fantasy and as each one dies you will be passed to another one uh, okay. But you can also pause the game and switch between them. There, there's like a mage and a warrior and a dwarf. I don't know what the dwarf does and maybe a thief or something like that. Um, it turns out you can complete the game in five minutes. Uh, but this is a jump in the gun. I, I never got past like the first little section, but you can first minute. complete it in five minutes. Um, we're jumping the gun because that's a different episode. It's about Baldur's Gate, this one. And and we're talking about Heroes of the Lance. That's not right. Well, that Get back reminds- on track, Chris. I was going to talk about, actually, it's by sheer coincidence where only two episodes ago did Golden Axe and, you know, he got this whole kind of fantasy RPG link. Well, not RPG so much, but the fantasy, the the feel of Golden Axe, I think is going to be very prevalent through Baldur's Gate as well. I mentioned in that episode, actually, I, I used the phrase sword and sorcery, which, uh, which I thought was a kind of umbrella term for just kind of fantasy 
as a like a, a byword. It turns out, mm. I haven't done some research with that, that swords and sorcery as a title is actually a fancy subgenre and specifically refers to those titles, be they games, films, books, whatever, where you've got a hero, usually a hero, uh, I would assume a muscly man, let's be honest, uh, with a sword who engages in exciting and violent adventures. So Golden Axe would be traditional swords and sorcery. And thinking about it, Lord of the Rings, for example, is fantasy, but it wouldn't be swords and sorcery fantasy, I don't think. Okay. So there you go. That's a fact. That's a fact. Cool. That's, uh, yeah, I don't have anything to say, so we should move, we should move quickly. That's on. fine. Um, Baldur's Gate, from what I've read, is a top-down isometric third-person RPG and follows lots of the RPG tropes with battles, quests, you recruiting companions, etc. Does that fit in with what you have played of the game? Yes. Good. Tick that off. It's kind of also the thing that made me think that I was going to like it, which is somewhat superficially that that top-down, well, not top-down, the, the isometric, isometric yeah. viewpoint is the one that I associate with the classic RTS um, games like Age of Empires and and Command and Conquer, which I used to really love. And the what I forget is that it's also like a Diablo thing. Uh, and actually, you know, lots of genres have used uh, that that viewpoint. Yeah. So I, I kind of had kidded myself into thinking that I, you know, I was going to get an RTS and what I got was the game that it was always going to be uh thankfully you know i didn't use that as a reason to hate it but um it was certainly a little bit of an adjustment a mental yeah. adjustment to have to make um but there are other reasons that i hate it so um yeah it's a very strong Not that word one. oh yeah but deserved the player can create a character that they uh, they play as i guess and you choose the class and you and whatever you choose your character as doing or being impacts on different things in the game, such as their weapon, armor, etc. One thing I found that I did think was quite interesting was that the stronger your character is, the more items they can carry, which reminds me of, we talked about Zork within the last 10 or so episodes, I can't quite remember. And Zork had this If you find of, your bag. Well, oh, is that in Baldur's Gate, if you find the bag? No, no, it wasn't that in Zork, if you put so, some stuff in a bag. Zork was to do with the combined weight of what you had. So if you had oh, yeah. t- two heavy items, you can then pick the third heavy item or whatever it was. So I, it was interesting to see that something similar appearing in Baldur's Gate. Because I can remember when we played Zork, um, I was talking about it and being like, oh, that's quite unusual. And maybe it's not quite as unusual as we thought. Yeah. Um, also- I mean, it's it's definitely a thing in... It's, it's a thing in lots of games. Resident yeah. Evil has uh, that kind of um inventory management type thing it's not it's not based on weight it's based on space if you yes. remember there's yeah. there's a, a, a briefcase that you have to put all your bits and bobs in and you have to sort of tetris it in um but fallout fallout has a, a weight system so depending on how strong you are uh, that uh. will allow you to carry more stuff and you can take potions to buff your strength so that you can carry more stuff and if you don't if you carry too much weight you slow down uh, obviously related because it's bethesda but uh the skyrim um bits and bobs skyrim the elder scrolls uh series of games they have that system too i think it is a bit of a it's a thing more than I thought. There was an evil system. It's definitely system. more than you thought. It's called Attachy, I believe, where you've got to, like you said, Tetris the items in. 
because I have played mm. games where you just do that, like little flash games on the internet. Apparently, it has a reputation system where it impacts, uh, depending on how good or bad you are, will impact on how innkeepers and shopkeepers react to you, and they might charge you more if they don't like you, for example, which I thought was quite cool. There is a yeah, day so can... night cycle, and there is also single-player or six-player online multiplayer, all of which were revolutionary, apparently, back in 1998, and seem as you've just said, kind of standard-ish now, but I, st- I still mm. wanted to highlight them as being sort of, you know, the fact that, give, give it the praise it deserved. Yeah. I don't know when the first Fallout game came out, and I'm, I, I, although I own it, I haven't played it, so I don't know how many of those systems might have been in there at that point, and which one came first. But um, to come back to what you were saying, to come to sort of touch on a few of those things, um, from the experience of playing the game, the good and bad thing, you know, like being being a goodie or a baddie, having a reputation, uh, you set out, you set that out from the beginning, so you can choose whether you are um, neutral, chaotic neutral, chaotic evil, um, and then chaotic good and chaotic something else. Right. So it's like, um, it's like different pairings of of words and pairing them up to spend dictates on how yeah that it's it's your um it's your it's the spectrum so you start there there is a very very good angelic option uh that you can choose for your character from the very beginning there's a very very evil one and there's three in the middle okay and that will i think it changes the options like dialogue options that you have or something along those lines but i'll be honest i didn't get too i didn't get too stuck into the into things that gave me dialogue options or if it was giving me set different dialogue options i wasn't aware of it because I'd, I'd only obviously played this first playthrough i didn't play multiple playthroughs um okay. so there's that and um then you said about the system uh, the time system the mm-hmm. day night cycle it, it kind of isn't it kind of isn't uh what people would recognize as a day night cycle now but i think if you say day night cycle to someone now they would think about something that um, is is happening in real time. And certainly if that was happening for me, well, again, I say real time, a contracted version of real time where you can actually watch the sun track yes. through the sky and then the moon will come out and that will track through the sky. And there is an actual cycle and it's happening over 30 minutes or an hour or something like that. In this game, when you move from place to place, they each take the, the game takes place in these little sandboxes so there might be a town or um an inn and in between those ta- in between those landmarks on this on your map you have like wilderness sections so there might be forests or there might be mountains um and when you're going from one place to another it will tell you how many hours it takes to get there and uh, right. so if it takes four hours and it's six in the evening by the time you get to the place that you're going it will be dark. Yeah, it'd be 10 p.m. Brilliant. Quick maths. So, yeah, it is it is a day-night cycle, and it is taking into account how long it takes to get places. But from what I experienced, it might be different, depending on if you stay places for longer. But my experience was that the time moved on in between, move it, it, like in between moving from place to place rather, rather than, than while real. you were in a place. Okay. Uh, apparently, the... The plot of the game, it revolves around an area within the Forgotten Realms called the Sword Coast, where items that are made of iron are rotting and breaking, which reminded me of Tears of the Kingdom, with the 
gloom. Mm. What, they, what they're called in the decay. That's the, the fact they're decaying. And you've also got to avenge your the person who killed your foster father, Gorion. G-O-R-I-O-N, uh, which again reminded me of Goldnax, the fact that all the characters in that are setting out to avenge their different family members' deaths. So yeah, there yep. you go. That happens on screen. You should experience ah, that. Okay, that sounds bleak. Mm. It's kind of removed because of the nature of the game. So Okay, fair enough. And it sold amazingly. They didn't expect it to sell very well, but the Dungeons and Dragons license and word of mouth success of the game meant it sold amazingly. It, throughout late 1998 and early 1990, it kept selling out in different shops and on different formats, apparently. And by 2015, the game has sold 2.8 million copies. We're obviously eight years after that now, so I can only imagine it sold even even more than that. Maybe 2.9 million. But oh. Yeah, so the, the version that we're going to play this evening is actually the Enhanced Edition. Yes. And that is a, a sort of, a, I think it's a remaster of the original. Okay, so it has been 2012. Yeah, it it has been re-released and um, since. So I'm kind of surprised that the numbers are, are where they are. Mm. I, I kind of expected them to be much higher, but maybe that's just because we're in the midst of the Baldur's Gate 3 fanfare. So yeah. Yeah, that and might be skewing things. And it is fanfare. I don't know about you, but uh, Kotaku, if you still use Kotaku, when I went on earlier today, it was all, all the headlines were either revolved around Baldur's Gate 3 or Starfield. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. I was of a mind to play Baldur's Gate 3 to have a go. They, they've they got on... Um, they've got split screen, which is unusual, I'd say, to, to some degree these days for, for a game... To even have that for a start mm. but um yeah the fact that it's got that made me think it might be a good one for hannah and i to play but unfortunately my experience with this one has has made me reconsider for valid reasons i think which we can talk about in the second half um and and it's not necessarily because of my experience with this game it's more of it's more a case of this game reminded me that actually there's certain things in games that I don't like and Baldur's Gate 3 might well do those things. I could be wrong, but it might. Intriguing. Uh, well, that seems like a, a fair point to jump in and uh, for me to actually see what all the hoo-ha's about. There, it's not hoo-ha, it's boo-bah. It's actually, I mean, it hasn't actually got any sheep in, so that's very misleading. <laughs> Lots of cows. Lots of cows. So moo. Moo ma. Mm, let's just play it. Baldur's Gate. Baldur's not great. Bald, yeah. Baldur's Gate. There's a lot you can do with this. Now there? you understand. Now you understand where I was coming from. It's um, it's not really what I was expecting, and maybe yeah. that was my fault. Yeah, I I'm, thought it'd be a bit more actiony. I'm very maybe. mindful going to the second half that. It's this is such a popular game, and it's one I've only nah. ever heard about with reverence and hushed tones. And I've just 
I've just yeah yeah yeah. So it's not. It's I. I said a bit. I think I was expecting something a bit more actiony, but I don't really think I mean that. I think what I actually mean there is that the pace of everything is just so slow. The way even, and I mean that in a very physical sense. The camera crawls everywhere, and the characters crawl everywhere. It's all just so slow. The combat is such a slow thing to to play out. It's like hit, make a cup of tea, hit, <laughs> go and have a bath, hit. Like it kind of should be relaxing, but it's not. It's tedious and boring. And actually, I get more antsy waiting for things to complete than than actually I get relaxed. So the, the thing I it's not, it's not great. The thing I just liked the most about the combat was it's just you, you clicking the mouse, and I was defeating enemies by just click, 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 and job done. And, and I'm aware there are lots of games that that do that. You know, it's no different to really hammering a button when I'm playing Zelda or whatever. But it just felt so glacial, like there wasn't any risk during combat. I was just having these enemies appear, and then, but then I then discovered I was playing on story mode, which then. I wasn't taking damage. I just pulled so, a face at Chris. Yeah, so and it's made him <laughs> so admit that I wasn't taking damage because of that. But I, I only found that yeah. out right at the end of our, our um, play with it. So maybe in a different scenario, different difficulty setting, maybe that would have presented a bit more jeopardy or challenge for me. But absolutely, it, it would. But that was the problem. Yeah, you were not taking any damage, and therefore the, it rendered the combat absolutely you know pointless yeah, and yeah, you're, you're saying boring uh for me the combat was so hard from the very beginning that that it was deeply frustrating i was having trouble even with single enemies i found what's called a kobold and i was playing in normal difficulty i found this kobold i had two people in my party and th- this kobold killed them and it took mm, you know not very long, few hits for them to kill me. It was very, very skewed in favour of the computer, uh, the, the the outcomes of the battles. There was a point very early on again, just after Garion's been killed, you go to, to the friendly inn. And when you get to the friendly inn, unbeknownst to you, there's someone waiting to off you, a, a bounty hunter mage. Mm-hmm. And he stands at the top of these stairs. He comes down the stairs and he, un- after some very poor dialogue, some very boring dialogue, uh, he unleashes um, his attack. And he starts off his attack by turning himself into five people. Like he, he, he multiplies into five people. And then those five people uh, put confusion on you. So... Not only are you fighting against these five people, but you end up in a confused state. You're just wandering around. You can't put in. You can't. You can't put inputs. You can't attack. And he just picks you off like the one one bolt from his uh, magic hand kills one character, and then one bolt kills the other while they wander around in a dazed state. And I did this multiple multiples of times, uh, getting very frustrated. I actually text you uh, to ask you at the time. I text you to ask you how much of the game I actually had to play because I just really, at that point, wanted to stop. And that was about half an hour into the game? Yeah. It's a, also a main story thing. Like, it's not a side thing that I decided to do myself. 
the game sent me there. The game told me to go there. It was one of the first things that I did in the game and it was too hard. It was so hard that I uh, died many times. I had to look it up on the internet and um, the solution to beating him was to use a magic wand that I had. I had to pause the game a millisecond, genuinely a millisecond after the dialogue ends to then um, set my, uh, set Imowen, I think her name was, yep. Imowen. I had to set Imowen up with, uh, with an attack using this magic wand that would then disrupt and interrupt the mage's spell casting and stop him from multiplying into five people. But the timing of that was so unforgiving, so unforgiving. And for somebody fresh into this game, or, or even this genre, I suppose, to some degree, um, it was, yeah, just too, too, too much. It was too much. I turned it down to easy and I still died. <laughs> like it was. I like the strategy in that. It reminds me of in Final Fantasy VIII, there's a boss fairly early on, if I remember correctly, where it's a, a zombie and there was this thing we talked before about this idea of, of tips being traded on the playground and it was something I think I read in a magazine or someone told me this this zombie you could kill it with by using a phoenix down a potion that would kill it instantly mm. and when someone told me that I was like oh that's amazing and the way you described that with him when having the magic wand so the tool to, to stop this from happening is at your disposal I think that you could, if you had a little bit longer with the game, you probably could have figured that out. However, they've then obfuscated that with this extra layer of timing by having to actually click this millisecond before the guy starts attacking you. And that doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, it was it was so it was such an unforgiving situation. I I think fine. Yeah. And there there are apparently other ways to, to deal with it that like you can go and you can go wandering off somewhere and find a pair of brigands who join your party and then you can send them to deal with him. Um, but the notion to, for me, at, even at that point, the notion of going wandering around exploring this world was a bit of a turn off. So uh, the idea that I was going to go and try and randomly find a pair of brigands, um, yeah, didn't want to. But it's nice the, as options though, that, that you don't just have to keep throwing yourself out over and over. You could go and do that, but you didn't want to. No, I absolutely didn't want to because the game had turned me off already at that point. Just um, that, there's, the, a few, the combat, the, there's a few bits you mentioned there just to pick up on as well. You talked about, we've, we've talked very about the difficulty. That is something I do quite like about the game. There is a very, very wide range of difficulty settings. You went for normal. I initially, I thought I'd gone for easy. And then as it turned out, I was playing on story mode, which is easy mode with no death, which reminded me of um, Nabbit in the Super Mario Wii U Deluxe and for the recently announced Mario Wonder who is a character that can take damage but is invulnerable so it reacts as if it's taking damage but it's it's not so it's for those mm. it's an easy mode essentially for players that want to actually complete the story but not the gameplay well that element of gameplay and that's what's on on offer here whether that pro was present in 1998 whether it's added for the 2012 version I don't know but I like that it's there it is story mode it's for people who want to experience the story great yeah so I missed that. I totally didn't see that that existed. And why be might that be? Because that leads me on to one of the negatives. One of the big things that we both commented on was just the sheer amount of text in this game throughout every single aspect of it. Just reams and reams and reams of text. So the example being with this then, when you got through the character creator, which is another issue as well, is you then get 
given these range of difficulties to choose from. But rather than just being a simple story mode, easy mode, but with no death, here's easy mode. And then a brief description of easy mode. It, it's, it's what, three, four, five sentences probably for each one. And it, I yeah. just glanced through because I thought, I'm, I'm not going to read all that. I think that comes just after you've created your character as well. And that is, again, very laboured, very wall of text heavy literal walls of text it's like a house built out of paper. it's not it's like a it's like a hotel it's like a thousand room hotel built out of walls walls of text it's it's absurd before you even started the game you're bored of reading and i like reading i think the character creator is a very powerful tool there is so much customizability there but it, it's it's just like you go through one option and there's another option and there's another option. I just keep going. And for those people into Dungeons and Dragons, great. I can see that being their absolute dream, being able to really customize and hone their character. It would have been nice for them to be in a randomized button just to click and it for, to have just given you on a random. Yeah. But you have to each time go through. And that, again, as I said, might be good for some people. For us, certainly not. So we're already kind of feeling the, the pinch of that. And then to then be greeted with this this screen of here's your choose difficulty now. We were just turned off completely by that point. Yeah, I was. Yeah, it, it wasn't a great start. And I the thing is, I got through all of that and still had the appetite to to give it its fair shot. And then just got the got the enthusiasm smashed out of me not just because of the combat which continued to be hard outside of that mage i i got i had two people in my party and got killed by some what i think are fairly low level minions i'm sure it's probably a skill issue i could probably get better at the game but there was nothing driving me to do that the story was not uh, engaging to me i was not invested or interested in what was happening well again the story was being delivered by reams of text exposition just loads yes, and loads was. and loads of it yeah all delivered very badly as well the characters seemed to be incapable of delivering a line in a straight fashion you said everything was arch yeah well the the, the way like the awry yeah delivery yeah the the text at times was was quite serious but then there were times where i, I think it was kind of reaching almost for like terry pratchett sort of style uh, addressing fantasy but it didn't have any of the panache that he had where it just felt a bit like sarcastic and it, it a bit mean mean-spirited or uh, the mm. words you've used wry or arch but whatever however i can dress it up i just it didn't sit right it didn't suit the game it didn't suit the way the genre had been presented so there was one character i mentioned where to, to ashley where she was complaining about how she'd been kept awake in the library by the sound of arthritic footsteps creeping about and it just didn't suit the the, the the conversation i was having at that point but again this was like one sentence or a few words within several within this another big wall of text here there's just again text is just being thrown at you all over the place i was talking to characters and, and I, i'll be honest i wasn't actually reading what they were talking or saying to me because it was just too much of it could be bothered hmm. i saw a talk by a man called john ingold who is the narrative director at inkle studios who made 80 Days and oh, yeah. more recently Overboard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all about how to create like lively, characterful dialogue in games. And it was a very, very good talk. 
uh, for a start. It was developed this year. One of the things that he sort of touched on is how in modern games, uh, there's this attempt to deliver character and sometimes story in what's called the banter system. The banter system is in a game, you know, like in, say, Red Dead Redemption or in Uncharted, more so in Uncharted, actually. That's a better example to go with. You you have, like, conversations taking place between two characters mm-hmm. as as they maybe navigate from one place to another or something like, like that. Um, in Uncharted, and it seems to have proliferated to other games as well. A lot of those, a lot of those banter lines, they are um, supposed to be like quips. They're funny. It's it's quip heavy, uh, and it's not. But the the problem with it is that they're not actually funny. Um, I think there's an element of that going on here. These characters are delivering these lines that these that somebody's written in the with the aim of them being funny. But what they turn out to be, at least for me, is they turn out to be just actually obnoxious. They're, they're somewhat sarcastic yep. in in the things that they say. And it's such an onslaught of this just, de, de, yeah, I was going to say derisory, but this wryness, this humorless humor, it's just so heavy with that in every respect. The very first scene I had when I could control my character, I clicked to make my character move somewhere, and they instantly said, this is a waste of my talents. Oh, I, yeah. Okay, I've just asked you to, to move somewhere, and straight away I'm being like berated for it. Yeah, like, it reminds me of, you know, in the Legend of Zelda cartoon, how his line princess. was, excuse me, princess, yeah. but it was all, it was like sarcastic, well, yeah, sarcastically delivered and a little bit, uh, like I say, obnoxious. These characters are thick. This this game is thick with that kind of delivery and that kind of ob- obnoxious humor. It it's not it's it's not fun to play. Another thing I didn't like, which you said just a caveat before I start talking about it, is probably a almost definitely a resource reason was the fog of war because mm. you had this sort of area around your character and as you of brightness and you could see if you'd been to an area previously it was then a bit darker if you hadn't been to the area it was then beyond that it was then completely black so there's an element of exploration when you reach a new area it makes sense to then traverse around and draw around to, so you can see everything but what then happens is that characters that's then outside of that radius that diameter of light that is around your character they just don't load up so i had an example of an area i was supposed to go into where there was a character i was supposed to talk to in order to advance the story i went in the area oh the character's not there because they were stood outside this diameter of light so i walked forward a bit and then suddenly oh the character's popped up now i know i can talk to him and carry on with the story mm. but i like in games being able to okay i'm in a new area how do I understand it? How do I pass it? What is there in this area? What can I do? Are there treasure chests? Are there people to talk to? Is there a, the rest to climb to? There was none of that here because it was just all restricted around the character. And I just found that quite frustrating as well. Yeah. The um, the Fog of War is almost certainly a, a resource thing to make sure that it can run on uh, contemporary machines when for when the game came out. But it, it doesn't stop it from being frustrating. And we're running it on what, you know, you couldn't get better than what we have at, at that time. Things were obviously much, much lower in, in terms of spec and power and all that. That's obvious. Um, which means that there's a potential that this game was running in even 
in in even more limited fashion mm-hmm. on on machines that weren't capable of this, uh, cap- capable of delivering the highest end um, experience. The the execution of the fog of war is very very limiting. Like the space around me felt felt very closed off and um yeah it wasn't great in terms of exploration i did i didn't really enjoy that but it also meant that when you were trying to move around you couldn't click into the fog of war to to navigate to a place yeah, in the fog of war. you had to click in the bit that you had and then you had to move to that and you had to click again somewhere else and and that was the the way that you moved around it was very cumbersome and slow um, like everything else in in this package. There were a lot of things I liked about the game. It was just I felt the gameplay hampered it somewhat. So I like, so I'm going to sound a bit um, arty-farty, I liked that the game started with a quote from Nietzsche. That was quite cool. I can't remember what the quote was. Um, I thought That's I liked, very superficial. Well, that's me all over. I liked the intro. Uh, it was almost like a, it was, it was a cartoon. It was a series of stills from a cartoon that was slightly... The way they were this, um, presented against like a still a static background, and they slightly moved against it as it was like a comic book or something. I thought that looked really nice. Um, mm. I liked, I liked, um, and this is going to be ridiculous. I liked the font that Baldur's Gate the the logo was used in because it reminded me of when I it's fine. Well, when I first got a PC, I was shown a fonts website by one of my friends, and I just downloaded loads and loads of fonts, and it was it's a generic Irish type font that you get for like you know a. Uh, St- oh, is it? Yeah. Well, I can't remember the font was called, but it was presented as one like a like a St Patrick's Day type font, and it's that font that um, if you can even think of an Irish pub near where you live, it will probably have used we're using this font somewhere within it. And Baldur's Gate was written in that font, so it reminded me of ah oh, huh, fonts. They were fun, weren't they? My favourite one was one where okay. it's all we little penguins that held up boards, and each board had a different letter on, so you could type a, a message with little penguins holding up boards. That was a that was a really nice one. So. There you go. I like, because this ties into how I like playing RPGs and games in general, as I was talking to characters, NPCs, I was getting given objectives for my journal, so I was then amassing a series of small objectives. Brilliant. I've got a tick list. That's how I like playing games. That was cool. Um, and even though the Fog Awards did make it quite difficult, I did quite like exploring the wilderness outside the first area and just seeing what there was. There wasn't anything to find, but I liked seeing what there was. Um, I did not like the, I didn't like the NPCs giving me tasks or quests because I found that the tasks or quests were a little bit throwaway and boring. It I'll be felt, honest, I didn't they read. They felt pretty meaningless. I didn't read what any of them were. I just got the little rush of like, oh, I've got a quest to do. Ah, right. Okay. But... Yeah. So you didn't actually engage with them. No. Um, no, fair enough. They, they weren't, they weren't very engaging. So I'm not surprised. The exploration, like I did th- this evening while we were playing, I did just focus on uncovering maps. So I was in a carnival area and I uncovered the map around there. I, th- there's a tiny amount of enjoyment to to be had uncovering the map. I, I actually enjoyed that more than being <laughs> in the combat situations that Crikey. were happening quite a lot. Um the thing, the thing, and this will sound like I'm being sarcastic or whatever, but the thing that I actually did like about the game is the way you had to, the way you engaged with those quests. So you you never got given a marker on your map, or uh, you never told you never get told go specifically here or, or whatever. 
you kind of you might get told the friendly inn is in the northeast. I think it was in the northeast from where you were. Um, or Neshkel is in the south. And then you have to actually, when you're in these little sandbox areas, because every every section of the map is like a little sandboxed area, and you move from from one part of it to the to the edge of the of the map somewhere else, and then you can move off the map by clicking on the edge. In order to go south, you have to move south. <laughs> I know it sounds like silly, but that notion of of there being yeah, the the fact that there that it was very much tied to the physical movement of of you through the world, and and that's the way that you were expected to engage with this world, like actually moving through it as a physical space. I liked that, um, as a as opposed to what they could have done, which is put twinkly lines for you to follow yeah. to the next place or, or whatever. That is genuinely a thing that I I thought was good about it, but unfortunately that that kind of is where it begins and then ends i think what we're sort of saying though is we're we're post facing all this with yeah like I, I get why people i can see why people like it but it's it's really not for me and i, I was i was really hoping this would be a game i would i would engage with so i so i could i could empathize with why people enjoy it so much as a franchise as a series but uh no no, me neither. It's a shame. I said that I I was expecting something different. Um, in terms of the actual game itself, I wasn't expecting anything different. I was just expecting it to be more engaging. I think for it me, was, the main thing is the pace of it. Like I was expecting it yeah. to be a lot more punchy. Maybe I was wrong to expect that, though, because I have had similar experiences with other beloved games like Diablo. I tried to play Diablo 3, and... That is a game that people rave even harder, I think, about than uh, than this one. But I bounce hard off it, hmm. and this has some similarities in in the way that it, just in the way that it works and and the delivery of things. It's definitely more streamlined and more polished, and and I think the combat's probably more fun and easier to engage with in Diablo three. But it's still there was there was this divorceness that i felt i felt like i wasn't i wasn't i was being expected to be invested in this character that i had in air quotes made i was expected to be invested in them to such an extent that they were the thing that was dr- the driver my motivator was was them and i never felt never ever felt the any connection whatsoever to them and let alone anything else or anyone else in the world given that we're talking about dungeons and dragons the way that tabletop dungeons and dragons works is that you you pour a lot of effort into creating your character as far as i understand you 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 know we're all familiar with the stats side of things but um and the dice rolling stuff but you have to create your character give them a name give them a backstory a life you create all of that. And then if you die in Dungeons and Dragons, that character is dead. And oftentimes these are characters that over many years have been built up and attributes added to them and um, character, uh, traits traits added and things have actually happened to them. They've, they've got a real story. That's, that's the, I think, the thing that I understand people uh, 
enjoying in Dungeons and Dragons. They they invest a lot emotionally and mentally into into these characters. This that's lacking here. You you create a, a reasonably throwaway character, and Throw yeah, away. It, it just feels very generic. Uh, and and un, uninspiring and unengaging. I just was not able to get into into any kind of mode of, of caring. I think, as I said, that the character creator was was so in depth for those people that, that do like that, and I can appreciate that they that that is there for them. But it's just not for us. Uh, my experience of Dungeons and Dragons is limited to Stranger Things, and I think there was an episode of Dexter's Lab where it was set around them having a Dungeons and Dragons battle. I think. Um, and also, I remember during lockdown, there were quite a few comedians that got really got into Dungeons and Dragons and live streams them playing it because you know, lockdown. What else was there to do, eh? Okay, do okay, do okay. I know okay, said. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, cool. So, although we didn't quite gel with it, uh, that wasn't the case. Obviously, we talked about Baldur's Gate three, which just came out uh, a few weeks ago at the time of recording. Uh, Baldur's Gate, this game we've played today, had an expansion pack in nineteen ninety nine called Tales of the Sword Coast. Baldur's Gate two then came out in two thousand, which is called Shadows of Am A M N, which also had an expansion pack called The Throne of Baal in 2001, B-H-A-A-L. And in 2001, there was a spin-off action RPG series, which was very, very well received, called Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Heard of these? Uh, No. I think only from when I bought this game for us to play. Okay, fair enough. Dark Alliance. And then Baldur's Gate 1 and Icewind Dale and Planescape Torment were released as the Black Isle compilation in 2002. I said about in the first half about them all being part of the same Dungeons & Dragons Forgotten Realms stablemates. And then 2012, there was a a remake, Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition, which is what we've played today, which was made available for Windows, Mac, iPad, and Android, and was then released in October 2019, so seven years after initial release, then came out on the PlayStation 4, Switch, and Xbox One. So a long, staggered release for those. So that therefore means it is available for every modern console or tablet or pc uh that's available um at the time of recording it is 16 pounds on steam and 15 pounds on good old games but it's frequently on sale on good old games currently for example it is actually three pounds 79 as part of a sale uh, on the switch for both Baldur's gate enhanced edition for Baldur's gate one enhanced edition and Baldur's gate two not sure if that's an enhanced version or not on the switch that it's 40 pounds for both of them so Quite a range in prices, but the point is that they're available wherever you get your games from. Right, cool. I don't need to know that. Oh, I said, I said, I don't know if I said this on on mic, but obviously Baldur's Gate 3 is out and about and doing really well and everyone's really enjoying it. And I did say it on mic. I said in the first half that um, I'd considered playing it and actually this game had put me off doing that. I think it's not necessarily because I think that Baldur's Gate 3 won't have done something astounding and very very much moved on from from this game, which has all of the issues for me that that we've outlined already. Um, It's more that, you know, how what I've just said about the characters and and not being able to engage with those characters, not being able to invest in them. Yeah, that's a potential uh, genre issue. Yeah. And then the walls of text again. Mm potentially a genre issue and then this clicky clicky combat system 
that I didn't like in Diablo and I don't really like here. That might be a genre issue. Yeah. So it's not so much that I'm saying Baldur's Gate is bad, therefore Baldur's Gate 3 isn't... I'm not going to look at it for that reason. It's that this game's just reminded me of a certain type of game that I think I've kind of always had a problem getting to grips with and and enjoying. And Baldur's Gate 3 is probably, if we're going to be honest, as good as it might well be, probably going to still tread that line to some degree. So, yeah, timely reminder. Save me £50. I think for me it's that I like RPGs. We've done Final Fantasies, we've talked about Zelda a lot, but if you get a bit deeper than those type of RPGs, I think that's where it ends for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's probably something of that too. Well, there we go. Um, episode 170, Baldur's Gate. If you enjoy Baldur's Gate, remember to, uh, we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Come and let us know why you like it. Is there anything egregious that we've missed out? Is there something we've stated that you love? Um, or do you agree with us? Do you also think it's a bit poop? If so, as I said, let us know. And next week, we're back on to normal. Episode 171 will be one of Ashley's games. So remember to join us for that. And in the meantime, social media, like, share, subscribe, break, review, please. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And thank you for sticking to the end. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.